for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the show, we have Ramon Castellanos from Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary, a 501c3 nonprofit based out of New Mexico. Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary rescues and provides lifetime care to wolves, wolf dogs, and other wild canines. Let's take a listen to our conversation with Ramon and hear all about the pack down in New Mexico. Today on the line, we have Ramon from Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary. How are you doing today, Ramon? I'm doing pretty good, Danny. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. We're actually having a gorgeous day up here in Massachusetts, which is very few and far between recently. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Well, so tell us a little bit about the Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary down there in New Mexico. Yeah, all right. So we are a, a, a pretty big facility. We have 120 acres. We have between uh, 65 and 75 animals year-round. Um, obviously, things fluctuate. And we also have uh, between 36 and 37 enclosures, something like that. I'm fuzzy on the exact number at the moment. Um, and, you know, we rescue animals, exotic canines primarily, that are victims of the exotic pet trade, uh, pretty much from Alaska to Florida. We've hosted over 1,400 volunteers during our lifetime, and we are currently celebrating our 27th year. Oh, wonderful. Now, when you say that you have victims of the pet trade, can you tell us a little bit about more about the types of animals that you have at your sanctuary? Sure, yeah. Um, So... As I said, we focus primarily on innately wild canines. Uh, most of our animals do not actually come from the wild. They were not born in the wild. We do have a few exceptions to that, but most of them were born in captivity. Um, they're animals that people tried to raise as pets, sell as pets, uh, other breeders, uh, petting zoos, zoos, shelters, things like that. Um, animals that are of the canine family. And so at the moment, what we have here are wolves, wolf dogs, actually a couple of dogs, too, uh, that were mistaken for wolf dogs, uh, foxes, New Guinea singing dogs, coyotes, and Australian dingoes. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of different types of animals. Yeah, absolutely, and they all have a variety of personalities. (laughs) I can only imagine. Now, when it comes to all of these different types of animals... I know you said you have what quite a few acres of land. Now, are these guys all housed together? You said they have different enclosures, correct? That's correct, yeah. Um, so the animals live on about 40 acres of land. Um, they're all broken up into a variety of enclosures. Uh, mostly we don't have packs here that get larger than three animals per enclosure. And there's, there's very... Uh, Specific reasons for that, um, because manufacturing packs in captivity can actually get really dangerous. And so when you have enclosures with many, many animals, pack dynamics start to take over inside of, of an enclosed space, and things can get very, really dangerous. So mostly, we just have pairs of animals uh, for most of what we have here. Okay. Wow. 
when you guys are putting animals into different enclosures together, creating these packs, how does one go about that? Yeah, so um, part of it is uh, knowing the animals well and uh, being able to understand uh, potential, potentially complementary personalities, right? Um, so we don't like to put two very high-energy animals together generally um, or two very low-energy animal, uh, animals together either because then that can kind of just fizzle out. So we try to play matchmaker, basically. It's a process of understanding the animal, and then we slowly introduce them at various stages. You know, one would be, uh, if we can, get them on a leash, you know, taking uh, the animal on a leash to the other enclosure and introducing them through the fence. Then another layer might be putting them in uh, a kennel and then putting that kennel inside of our sub-enclosure, you know, like our our, wa- our pre-enclosure enclosure, and leaving them there for a couple of hours and seeing what sort of interactions we get then. And then possibly we may actually introduce the animals with a team standing by uh, in case a fight needs to be broken up. And if a fight does need to be broken up, uh, it'll usually occur. The fight will usually occur within the first 20, 30 minutes. Um, If after that everything is smooth, it generally does go smoother uh, long term. Awesome. So it sounds like you've got a lot going on uh, trying to make sure that everybody's in good packs, that everyone's keeping the peace. Now, do you guys ever um, rotate animals around to spend time with each other? Are they generally in that same pack? No, generally we do not uh, rotate animals around. Um, It's possible, of course, uh, if fights happen or if there are, you know, quote unquote breakups, (laughs) which uh, would present as a really bad fight. Um, in that sort of situation, we may actually uh, take animals aside and put them into a different enclosure. We may move them around in that case. Of course, when there's attrition, you know, when animals die, we do uh, sometimes move animals around too. But outside of those types of contexts, no. Uh, mostly they don't want to be separated around. And every time you introduce new animals into each other, you run the risk of fights uh, breaking out. Um, they, you know, wolves and, and canines can be kind of hot-headed. <laughs> they definitely uh, can be. Yeah, absolutely. So what is a day like at a Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary? Okay, so uh, the day starts off um, at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and that's uh, the volunteers and the staff that do animal care show up at our wolf kitchen, which is where we prepare all our wolf food. Um, and also all the food for all the other canines, of course. And then people will uh, start to load food into buckets and carry them sometimes half a mile, you know, to get to an enclosure. Um, And so then food is given out and water buckets are filled also. So people are carrying often two five-gallon buckets of water, um, sometimes, you know, a quarter of a mile even to get to where they have to go. Uh, Then enclosures are cleaned um, and animals are interacted with. And after that happens, then everyone sort of breaks apart and goes into doing the, the more boring office-based sort of work. Um, and some people go and work more in the wolf kitchen where they're preparing food, and some will go and work on the grounds, doing whatever is necessary on 120 acres of land. So... Lots of different jobs and uh, lots of really hard work, I would say. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I feel like anybody who has a lawn that they have to take care of feels like that's a lot. And you guys have a lot more than just a front and back lawn to take care of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, every every summer we, we face the battle of the weeds. Um, they really try to take over our entire compound. The issue with that, too, is that there is a, a particular brand of weed called a, called a foxtail mm-hmm. that uh, when it dries, it releases tendrils that can get into the mucous membranes uh, like in the nose or in the eyes or even in the ears of some of our animals and burrow in and then actually cause an infection and cause animals to die. So it's every, every year is a battle to keep those under control, too. It's 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 a war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weeds can be terrible just in like I said in small spaces, so I can't even imagine especially trying to keep as many animals as you guys have safe. So that's definitely an yeah. undertaking that you guys get to do. It's a freaking jungle. Like once uh, once the monsoons hit, it really gets out of hand, you know. Yeah, so. I can I can only imagine now, when you're talking about the different things that you guys need for the daily care with your um, wolves, canines, do you guys do any training with your wolves? Um, do you guys do like training for, um, you know, for their mental health, any kind of husbandry training? Um, is anything like that involved at the sanctuary? We're currently in the process of trying to introduce something called operant conditioning. Sure. Um, yeah, as far as we know, uh, wolves, especially wolves, um, do not take well to training at all. Um, they, can, they can do some operant conditioning, um, which is just conditioning some really basic sort of responses to certain stimuli. Um, but like complex training and things like that do not, it does not seem to be something that wolves really like, uh, mostly. You can give them puzzles and things like that to figure out, though. Um, we wish we could do more of that, um, but we don't do as much enrichment as we would want to. We do other things like, uh, taking boomer balls and filling them with peanut butter and giving them the animals or trying to take some out on walks, the ones that will allow us to take them out on walks and then, um, just really good interactions when we can and those sorts of things. Awesome. No, I, so I am coming from a place where I don't really know too much about, taking care of wolves. So it's really interesting to hear about everything you guys have to do on a daily basis um, and what you can and can't do um, with a wolf pack. It's, it's definitely a lot. Um, no, no question about it. It's a ton of work. Um, and we're, all, we're a lot bigger than a lot of other sanctuaries. Um, and we also give a very high level of care, especially for the health and the well-being of the animals. Um, I, know, I know of other sanctuaries that have a a really big struggle with being able to even feed 30 or 40 animals um, because just of how much labor there goes into doing that sort of thing. And sorry if you guys just heard a radio call. It looks like there might be a small animal emergency, which uh, some of our team members are going to check out right now. Yeah, well, at a Um, sanctuary or zoo, anything like that, life never stops, even for interviews. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually very true. Um, so yeah, uh, like some of the more well-known sanctuaries I know around here, they top out at 30, 40 animals and they can't even feed every single day. We've developed a system of feeding that allows us to feed over 60 animals five days a week, um, fasting them on two non-consecutive days in order to simulate 
their uh, natural cycles of, of feast and famine in nature. You know, m- most wolves would not even eat uh, more than once a week. You know, they have a very low success rate with hunting. And so most wolves do not get to eat a lot. <laughs> they just eat a lot at one sitting. So we break that up into much smaller chunks and spread it out throughout the week. But we still give them fasting days to simulate that. Okay. Wow. That's really interesting. So when it comes to your wolves, um, can you tell me a little bit about um, their lifespan, how big they are? Because I think some of our listeners, just like myself, don't really know too much about our wolves. Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, wolves can range a lot in size. Um, It really does depend. Uh, They can be as small as 40 pounds with something like a Mexican gray to as big as, you know, 110, 115 pounds for like a really large timber wolf or tundra wolf or something like that. Uh, Most wolves don't get much bigger than that. There are outliers, of course, like in anything. And so it is, of course, possible for wolves to get, uh, you know, into the 130, 140 pound range, but that's uncommon. Most of them top out at about 110 pounds. Um, they can't, they, they used to get a lot bigger back in the day where they had their, their golden age, so to speak, you know, when wolves had a ton of water, a ton of territory, a ton of food, they did get much bigger, much with much more regularity. These days it's, it's less so, you know, they have adapted to less, to less territory, less food, less water, um, and by getting smaller, which seems like a common adaption strategy in nature. And so they are, yeah, about 110 pounds. Most of our animals range between 70 and 100 pounds here. That's still a fairly large animal. Totally. Um, they, they can look very imposing, too. People often think they're a lot heavier. Um, people often think that they're 150 pounds. That's because it's kind of an illusion, just because wolves were proportioned very large. They have massive skulls, really big feet, really tendinous, wiry legs. Uh, really big fluffy tails and sometimes up to 10 pounds of fur on them. And so they look, they look imposing and massive. Um, I mean, they are of of course imposing, but they just look a lot bigger than they actually are. Um, With wolf dogs, you know, that changes Uh, with wolf dogs. You can have animals that have been bred with very large breeds of dog and thus are massive. Um, And their massive size is a dog trait, not a wolf trait. Oh, Wow. Now, one thing that keeps going through my head that I want to ask is, you guys have been around, you said you're celebrating your 27th year. Um, I, coming from Texas, had actually never heard of any wolf sanctuaries around. Now, in the past, um, you know, 30 to 40, 50 years, have we seen more of an uptick in the pet trade when it comes to wolves? Is that why you guys have more sanctuaries around? I think there has been an uptick from what I gather. Um, as far as we know, there's actually no official statistics on any of this. Um, and so actually giving an accurate number is difficult. Uh, it, does, it certainly does not seem from what I gather and the people I've spoken to who've been in this game for a long time um, that it's decreased. Um, so there is that element, of course. Uh, definitely the pet trade. When it comes to wolves and wolf dogs, it definitely seems alive and well. Okay. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, wolves and wolf dogs, um, where where does, do you feel like people find the appeal of wanting to have them as pets and ownership and owning them? 
Right. Um, so, well, uh, the appeal, I think, uh, is, is one of two things. Um, generally, of course, I'm generalizing. Sure. Uh, one, it, one is the visuals. People like the way that wolves look, and they get a kick out of having an animal like that. Uh, the other is that the wolf is kind of like a quote-unquote sort of spirit animal sort of thing that they want to have inside their household. Um, with both those things, I'd say the biggest common factor is ego. You know, it's, a, it's an ego boost of some form or another. Um, you know, it increases social status in their eyes, so to speak, or I think it fills a void that they um, that they have in their lives, and they feel that for some reason wolves are going to fill it. It's so funny because I've you know a lot of people prefer to have certain dogs, certain breeds, and I would imagine that a wolf would be quite hard to take care of in your own home. Absolutely, um, and wolf dogs generally too. Um, when you get down to like. Uh, wolves, do- wolf dogs that are mostly dog, then it's mostly irrelevant at that point because even though it has quote unquote wolf in it, it's acting it, it, and it looks primarily like a dog. Um, that's not always true, but it, it is the case. Um, however, you know, in order to have that wolf dog at some level, you had to, you know, steal animals from the wild put them in a cage against their will and then exploit them in order to breed animals to the point where you could get something like that and sell it. Um, with a lot of animals that get caught in a vicious machine as a result of that whole process I just described, you know, taking animals from nature enclosing them, breeding them. Um, but yeah, all of that. So what is the goal of the wild spirit wolf sanctuary as a whole? Well, um, we ha- our mission statement is uh, rescue, sanctuary, and education. You know, basically we rescue animals, we give them, sometimes we don't give them sanctuary, sometimes we rescue animals and, sen- and take them to another sanctuary. Um, we also, of course, do give a lifetime sanctuary, and we also educate the public. Um, and so we try to educate the public about the dangers of owning Animals, wild animals as pets, um, we, we especially go into the dynamics of why owning a wolf or a wolf dog as a pet is a bad idea. Uh, we educate about the myths that surround the wolf, which is one of the most misunderstood animals in the world. And we try to pretty much clear up um, a, lot of those, a lot of those issues. Yeah, and uh, the issues that present um, out of a lack of understanding the true nature of a wolf and the true nature of wolf dogs. Now, if somebody um, who is listening to your interview right now, for our listeners who can't go down to New Mexico and get to hear your talks, get to go on your tours, um, and they just get to hear our interview today, what would you like them to take away from this? Okay. Um, yeah, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay. So wolves are naturally afraid of people. Uh, their natural instinct is actually to move away from humans, not to move towards humans. Uh, so the mythology of the big bad wolf really is, uh, is a myth. It's not a real thing. Um, wolf attacks on humans are extremely rare. 
the reason that wolves do attack people sometimes, you know, it's, it's a predator out in nature and you're in its territory usually. But most often than not, wolves are way more afraid of us than we are of them. Um, wolves have a completely opposite set of behavior to dogs in the sense that wolves do not want to make us happy. They do not want to please us. They do not want to cuddle. They don't want to ride in our car. They're not going to protect us. They're not going to do any of that stuff. Um, whereas dogs have the opposite of set of qualities. They are, they do want to please us. They do want to cuddle generally, you know, of course they, they want to be around humans. They, we, we were in their Genesis. We were in the Genesis of the dog from, for the most part. Um, and so when you take a wolf and a dog of two opposing sets of traits like this, and you mix them together with a wolf dog, you often get a very unpredictable animal because it's being pulled in two separate directions. And you have no idea of knowing what you're going to end up with when that happens. And you're basically also taking animals and exploiting them for ego in order to create something that in all likelihood does not even want to be in your home and be your buddy. Um, and so the, the big message here is the wolves are not monsters um, and that they also are not great pets. <laughs> and wolf dogs are especially even more so dangerous than wolves um, or wolf dogs. I mean, I'm sorry, or dogs, because um, they can be an animal that has the, the intensity, the power, and the willfulness and the independence of a wolf without necessarily the same fear of the human being that the dog possesses. And so sometimes wolf dogs can be especially dangerous to humans. So the, uh, the idea is here is to, you know, if to, to help us not, uh, not facilitate that process for the people who take animals from the wild and breed them as pets. Most people who have, who say they have wolf dogs don't also, that's a big one. Um, we encounter this all the time. We easily get 30, something like 30 requests, 30 ish requests a month to rescue animals, and most of the time when we look at an animal, it's actually uh, a dog. I mean, it's very clearly a dog. Um, and if there is wolf in it, it's so minuscule that it's irrelevant. Um, and so these people are propagating the idea that they had a wolf dog. Um, also, breeders do it too. You know, they have an animal that's the, that looks and acts like a husky. They call it a wolf dog. And then suddenly they can proclaim the idea that, that their wolf dog is fantastic. And then that just breeds more misinformation. You know, in general, most people don't have wolf dogs. Uh, it is rare for someone who thinks they have one to have one. Um, but they obviously, people obviously do have them. So uh, the ones that are actually wolf dogs, most of the time don't work out um, as pets. Sometimes they do. Those are also extremely, extremely rare. So, yeah, that's what I would hope people would take away from this. Yeah, and I, I think that all of those are wonderful points. And I think that even if somebody who's listening today is thinking about possibly looking into getting a wolf dog, that they'll go ahead and take a, take a listen, look inside themselves and decide to not do that. I hope so. Yeah, and thank you for helping us spread this message because I, I, I definitely think it's important. It absolutely is. Now, before we let you go, um, can you tell our listeners how they can support the Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary and where they can follow along with your pack down in New Mexico? 
Sure. Um, I guess the easiest way to support us is to give us all your money. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, uh, donating uh, and or sponsoring animals is one of the biggest helps. I mean, we are completely donation based. And so we exist pretty much primarily from people who who care about our mission and want to help us out. Uh, and so donating resources uh, in the form of, of monetary resources is fantastic. Um, of course, also supplies, uh, things like that. We do have an Amazon wish list with things that we ask for on a monthly basis. That's very helpful. Um, of course, coming out and visiting us and staying with us, if, if at all possible, is fun. They'll have a really cool time here. Uh, and sharing, sharing with people that we exist. Uh, that's helpful too. Um, liking our Facebook page, you know, Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary, our Instagram page, Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary, and Instagram, I mean, Twitter, I'm sorry, Wild Spirit Wolf Sanctuary. All that stuff is helpful. Uh, the more that our social media grows, the more we can reach out to people and influence. And uh, yeah, we building and maintenance could use some help too. They don't get enough they don't get enough uh, support, that's for sure, because most people don't see building and maintenance. You know, they, they see the front side of things. But if it wasn't for building and maintenance, we would not be able to literally stay open. <laughs> they keep us from falling apart. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah. And so things like lumber, um, lumber especially right now is a massive need that we have. We're just completely drained of any lumber supplies that we have. So that sort of thing is very helpful. Um, and yeah, those those are the best ways to support us as a, as a sanctuary. Wonderful. It sounds like it takes a village to support the pack. Totally. I love that. That's great. And um, <laughs> before we let you go, can you t please tell us what your website is so people can check you out? Sure. Yeah, it's wildspiritwolfsanctuary.org. Yeah. Wonderful. We're hoping We're hoping to shorten that, but right now... <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I know that everybody will be able to find you, keep up with everything you guys are doing. And I wanted to thank you, Ramon, for coming on The Zookeeper's Voice today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. One thing that I think I'm finding is that there is so much out there that I don't know about in terms of what's going on in the animal world. Yeah, for sure. And... It's all so important and so interesting. Mm -hmm. I never thought that we'd have a sanctuary on here that took care of wolf dogs. I didn't even know that was a thing. Honestly, neither did I. I knew that there were there was a need for sanctuaries for wolves, especially with what we do as people. We we you know, chop down forests, we are we take care of and, you know, cut down the places that wolves and other animals live. Sure. And so they need a place to go. And right. that's honestly where I thought that most of those kind of situations would come from. Um, in, in their New Mexico, correct? They're in New Mexico, yeah. Um, did you, Where did you think wolf sanctuaries would be? I figured it would be more like colder environments. I mean, honestly, when I hear wolf... I think of Twilight. Yeah, and maybe I'm thinking <laughs> of like Beauty and the Beast when yeah, when the wolves are in so. the snow and they attack the beast. You know, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But I don't. I don't think of like warm climates like New Mexico or like Arizona as wolf climates. Right. I. I mean, I would 
but it's pretty cool. Before we talked to them, I would definitely think it was more like where the snow is, where they have to survive in right. very harsh climates. Right. And so I just really thought it was interesting how their sanctuary actually was built off of more wolf dogs and different wild canines that are not really not really coming from the wild. Right, right. And it, it was also interesting to hear Ramon talk about... Um, the different kinds of wolves because you know I, I didn't know there were different kinds of wolves and wolf dogs that they just assumed it was just like a wolf and that, yeah. was, that was it and he's saying like wolf dogs are far worse to have as pets because they have the the human instincts as well you know what i mean right so they don't want to please us the way right. dogs do right so that was really interesting to hear too yeah it was so fascinating and i think you're right and when i do sit down and think about it if i'm thinking of a turtle it's not just a turtle. Right. There's so many different types of turtles. Correct. Or even if we think about, you know, a dolphin. Right. You're not just you're not just saying it's a dolphin mm-hmm. and all dolphins are this kind of dolphin. Right. There's so many There's different so types. Many. And so I mean, it sounds like they do have a lot of work that that there's there's a lot of animals coming into their sanctuary who need forever homes. And yeah. so it sounds like, um, you know, hopefully we're, we'll help get the word out and educate. Actually, one thing I was also thinking about is one topic that seems to come up already in the interviews we've had a lot is responsible pet ownership. Sure, yeah. And I think that as we're learning about all these different animals, p- some people own some legally some not so legally Mm -hmm. that um you know that our listeners really get to learn about what it takes to take care of these animals and why it may not be great to try to own them Mm -hmm. and so i do that does make me happy that that is a message that you know hopefully people will take away aside from just learning about different animals in zoos aquariums sanctuaries but also in their own lives and just making sure that they're making the right decisions. For sure. And and one of the coolest things that I think that we're doing here, especially for me, because you grew up in the animal stuff. I mean, you worked at SeaWorld. You've worked at chimpanzee sanctuaries. You've mm-hmm. worked all over the place. Right. And I have never worked on a single animal thing. Right. And so hearing hearing these uh, these interviews that we've done about all these different types of shelters and sanctuaries and people who are taking care of these animals that are out there is mind-blowing to me and I'm loving every second of it. Absolutely. And I I love that you're enjoying it yeah. because I I love hearing about all these things and I hope that, you know, our listeners enjoy hearing the the wide variety of different interviews we're going to bring to them. For sure. And like you, you go back in in our archive here and you, we have a, a killer whale trainer was on our last show and then you had um a a bird um a bird lady, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not the home alone lady, but the bird lady. A bird uh, rescue and rehab. Bird rescue and rehab, yep. And then we had uh, the CEO of the San Antonio Zoo, who is an amazing mind in the animal field. Right, and then a, just a, a, a dog rescue, just like from right. off the streets of Dallas. Right, exactly. So there's so many different things you can sit back and learn about from some of these amazing people that are out there that have been on our show they're explaining what they do in their daily lives that you, that I had no idea even existed. Yeah, absolutely. And even like, um, who else have we had? We had Urban Art Conservation yep. on. Mm-hmm. 
um, which he talked about stuff that I had no idea and the about. The amazing Dr. Rob. Oh, uh, absolutely. Doing incredible things out there in Connecticut. And I feel like we're going to have to hear soon, like, kind of share our experience getting up yeah. out there to go visit him. Ooh. But, um, I mean, that's the thing. Everything that we're doing here is to continue to educate, mm-hmm. continue to spread the message. And, you know, those people who are listening and they support these organizations, I hope that they get a little bit more of a taste sure. for these organizations that they want to support and love and um, want to con- continue to see thrive. And it amazes me, too, like after we had... Um uh, Patty on from Dallas Dogger, mm-hmm. and I started following the page. Sure, and almost every day I'm seeing like this dog in distress, or this dog that's in trouble, or this dog is that that's sick. And watching it's the horrible. the feedback from the f- the people who follow her page and the amount of money that's donated, so it's passionate, just unbelievably passionate. Absolutely, and just to kind of circle back to one of the things you said was, yeah, I've been working um, in the zoological field for a long time and in the animal industry. But one thing that I have realized is working at SeaWorld in San Antonio for 10 years, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of animals I haven't worked with. And there are a lot of different people and, um, you know, places and animals that I just don't know enough about. And one thing that excites me is not only to continue learning, because you know how much I love learning about animals, Mm -hmm. but also to bring that to other people who may not have other outlets that they really enjoy hearing these things from. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, just connecting people who might not otherwise be connected. And just like our awesome interview with Ramon, um, I never thought we'd, you know, get to sit down and talk to somebody from a wolf sanctuary. Yeah. Talk wolves. Yeah. And Casually. Just, no yeah, big deal. Yeah. Just wolves. No, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm really excited. I hope that, you know, that pack down in New Mexico, we get get some support down there for them because they're doing great work taking care of all of their amazing canines down there. So, all right. Well, as we're wrapping up, thank you for listening today. Please make sure that you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time.